This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump in in just a minute. Before we do that, I want to remind everybody to go to practicalshepherding.com for all of our resources. You can also go and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We're on several places, is my understanding. And feel free to leave a review. We, we check those occasionally just to, to learn and uh, from the comments you get, we get from you, as well as it spreads word of the podcast to others. So we would encourage you to to do that. Also, you can write us directly. You can find us on social media, but you can also write us directly. Go to the contact page of the website, and uh, our staff will get that, and, and we'll get that to the appropriate person. So if you write myself, you write to Jim, uh, that will get to us, and you can communicate that way to us as well. And Jim, we're, today we're responding to actually a couple of uh, different topics or suggestions that we got on social media around this. And we're, we're kind of doing this episode to kind of combine some ideas that several people shared on there. And we want to talk about just the regular weekly grind of pastoral ministry. And we talk about a lot of different aspects to it through this podcast, but we really haven't done a, an episode in a long time just with thinking through the the grind of the week, the whole of the work, and how to figure out how to how to make it happen. One you know, one person specifically asked about the grind of sermon prep. You know what mm-hmm. the the mantra that we that we say for when someone asks me what's it like being a pastor who's never been a pastor before. One of the first things I will say is it doesn't matter who you are, what happened to you in your life that week. You have to preach again in six days, like regardless of what's happening in your life. And obviously, if you have midweek services, you've got something on right. midweek, but. But every pastor is preaching on Sunday morning. At least, you know, there's somebody preaching on Sunday morning. And that happens every six days. It doesn't matter if your baby didn't sleep or you're sick or this was going on in your life or whatever it might happen. So we're just getting some questions, rightfully so, around who wanted us to talk about how we kind of manage that own weekly grind. So we're going to be a bit more autobiographical today just because that's what some were asking us to do. Of course, that's really what we're speaking out of in general anyways. But before we go there, Jim... How do, what what kind of texts in the in the New Testament do we want to be just mindful of as we talk about the weekly grind, the what God calls a pastor to do, and how that shows up in a weekly grind? Brian, a couple of things come to mind. Obviously, they're not directly addressing this, but it does help us to understand. One of them is the reality of that this this thing of having treasure in earthen vessels. Second Corinthians four. Yeah, Second Corinthians four. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay. So the jars of clay, most likely a reference there to the small, uh, shallow clay pots that held oil for for lamps, and the oil was precious, uh, but the but the shell that held it was, yeah. was was frail and 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 interchangeable. You know that that kind of idea. And so, I love that image, by the way. Yeah, that, I I do too. That it's, the treasures carried by this earthen yeah, vessel. And, and yeah. there's a reason for it that the exceeding you know right. power might be seen to be of God, not of That's us. That's right. So again, it's not you know anyway. Like we could open that up, but then also Second uh, Corinthians uh, two sixteen that whole matter of who is sufficient for these things. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember that was said by the man who said, "I can do all things through Christ." So mm-hmm. uh, he he that both things were true. Uh, he 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 felt an insufficiency in and of himself. That is, there was an aspect of ministry, and in the context, he was the aroma of death to death and life to life for some. That and, and you know, that's that's hard. That's a weighty thing that comes right. about 
as a result of your ministry? What does ministry do? What does it accomplish? I think, Brian, you also have um, the reality of what ministry takes out of us. Uh, I think a lot of guys are not prepared for that, mm-hmm. for the emotional, physical, and spiritual toll of preaching regularly. Mm-hmm. And for some guys, they may preach twice on a Sunday. Some may preach three times. Sometimes you may, depending on, uh, you know, you, some guys may preach the same sermon because they got two services. Other guys are, are preaching two unique sermons uh, every every week and the preparation of that and the spiritual warfare that goes on and then the delivery uh, and then the aftermath of that and the comments afterwards the comments and... afterward the indifference the hostility yeah uh, the very often lack of gratitude or whatever it is uh, that all of those things conspire yeah uh, to us. So you take a guy like Elijah, uh, you know, he's one of our, you know, if you had to have a, a superhero lineup, you'd probably want to put Elijah would be in the probably Justice League of the Old Testament mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, he might be Flash or Green Lantern, but, you know, he, um, but anyway, <laughs> so sorry, obscure references. Keep going. Here, right? <laughs> uh, Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. All, right, all right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway. You've got, uh, but he, you know, he he does that tremendous ministry with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, uh, and then there is the so there's all that tremendous expenditure of of, of energy uh, as a man, including the slaying of the prophets uh, of Baal and Ashtaroth, and then you have um, uh, Jezebel coming up against him, hmm. and he's broken. I mean, he is he's broken. He wants to die. He and he needs rest. He needs. You have Jesus saying to the disciples, you know, come apart by yourselves for a time, you know, that retreating for a time. Yeah. Um, Jesus would retreat sometimes after a busy time of ministry. So, I mean, I think, again, there, there are plenty of references and explanations yeah. hmm. as to why a guy doing this week in and week out, uh, particularly over a period of years, begins to find that like a car you drive a car uh, long enough there's wear and tear it's gonna be wear and tear yeah that's good and you know or second timothy four kind of goes with what you were talking about with with preaching that there's a the command is to preach the word be ready in season out of season and right but that takes shape in that what you articulated that it's not just every six days it may be several times a week it may be midweek it you know but there's this at least for the pre, the pastors who preach regularly, this this is a big part of the grind we're talking right. about. One of the passages I would throw out there is First Peter five, in that it says, "Shepherd the flock of God that is among you." So we are we are tasked as pastors to shepherd people, not just preach to people, right. but to shepherd the flock that's among us. There is a right. group of people we are tasked with, and the reason that that contributes to a uniquely challenging grind at times is you're it for those people. Right. And so, you know, whatever has going on with those people right. is, is what contributes to the grind being so challenging or overwhelming or difficult. Even if you have a plurality of pastors, you have more other pastors to be able to serve with you, you're still the last line of defense on that. Uh, qu- quick thing, the reason I'll, I'll just mention this, one of the th- I get asked all the time now, you know, what's it like to serve with practical shepherding full-time and not be a local church pastor anymore? Right. And this is the first thing I will say, and I was surprised by this, but the burden is totally different. 
Right. And people expect me to say, all the burden's much harder because I'm in the middle of dealing with hundreds of pastoral situations. Some of them are in crisis and some crazy stuff going on. I'm in the middle of those things. And I can tell people are expecting me to say, that's like uniquely hard. And that is hard and it's burdening in, in all kinds of different ways. But what I have realized is it's still different. It's not as difficult as the burden of a local church pastor that I experienced for 25 years. Right. And the reason I can articulate it that way, this speaks to the grind conversation we're having, is that, yeah, I may be in some crazy crisis situation where you know a pastor is really in trouble or what, whatever's going on, and those things are hard. But you know, I try to help the best I can in that situation, do what I can, and but you know, I, I ultimately don't feel responsible for that situation. I'm able to help in whatever mm-hmm. way I can. When I was a local church pastor, if there's an 80 year old widow that we got word was not eating, yeah, I felt burdened, responsible, right, to care for that woman, to be the and this is the last line of defense for her care, and that's what a local church pastor does to the church to the to the flock that's among him that he right. cares for, and I, sh- I share that because that really defines in my mind this real grind that exists for every local church pastor, and I, and I want every lo- local church pastor to hear that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how few or how many people you have. That layer, that level of responsibility and burden that a local church pastor carries is incredibly real, and that's what contributes to the grind. So, Jim, let me ask you first. You've been in this grind for over three decades now, right? So, and certainly there's wear and tear. Uh, yeah, and you've had health stuff that have come up because of health stuff, yeah, right. and, and certainly. Uh, there's a you've you've gone pretty hard ministry wise to in your own you know acknowledgement of that. How have you survived the grind? One and two. How have you managed it this long uh, with, with a, without really just walking away and quitting? Wow. Well, you know. So first of all, there there are times when you really there's times you feel the grind more than others. Yep. And again, a variety of things can can come into play. Uh, it, it can even even what you're preaching. Uh, at any given time, uh, I'm preaching through Hebrews right now, and I so I love Hebrews. Yeah, and I, I had just I had I just got through preaching Deuteronomy, so I did a hundred, I think 108 something like 110 messages in Deuteronomy. <laughs> did you really? I did. Wow, uh, uh, that's a different podcast. I want to almost have a podcast. I'm preaching Deuteronomy. Well, you know, go ahead. They, but there was something <laughs> about that. There was there was a, a unique joy and challenge in preaching through Deuteronomy because in some cases you're dealing with there's not the same expectation sure. uh, of, of preaching through Hebrews or or you know where people are like oh I love he's my favorite book don't, don't let me down don't mess it up don't it's my blow favorite it book. you know and then you're <laughs> like well some of this is why does he say it that way it, you know it, it can be harder exegetically in Hebrews I'm, I'm you know I'm just saying Hebrews is its own book. It's it's very different. It's very different than any other In New Deuteronomy, Testament book. Sure. And very different from Deuteronomy. Yep. But Deuteronomy, if you you know, you brought something out of there, people are like, Wow, you're like a magician, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> Where did you get that? Uh Hebrews, it's like you can do nothing but disappoint us. So <laughs> that's a good point. Uh right. I'm gonna preach John three sixteen. As I know it's gonna be disappointing. I'm sorry, it's your favorite verse. I know I'm not gonna do it justice. Or we you know whatever you know, right. whatever the case might be. Right. So there's Sometimes it's what you're preaching. Uh, sometimes it's the pressure of what you're preaching. You know, sometimes it's the you're preaching it and you're very, very distracted. You know, so you've got a you've got a congregational issue going on. You've got people in the church who are fighting. Uh, you have people that are leaving and you're greatly discouraged. Uh, you know, you're suffering losses, but 
hey, when it's, uh, hey, you know, hey, it's your time up at the bat. I don't care what you went through. You got to dig in there and you got to hit because, because there's however many people, in my case, you know, 100, 200, 250 people, they're sitting there and they're, they're waiting to be fed. And it doesn't matter what kind of week you had. Yeah. You, you, you've got to give it to them. Yeah. And because uh, unlike other things, we mentioned this in, in prep, you know, if I, had a, if I had a counseling session, I might be able to move it. I might be able to move say, hey, I can't tell the congregation, listen, I didn't sleep well last night. Can we do this on Monday? Let's do Monday. Yeah. Well, see or, you Monday morning. Yeah, see you Monday morning. <laughs> Can we do this Tuesday night or something? I, I can't do that. You have to be there. You're the man appointed to give the goods. Mm-hmm. And so just that pressure. It's like having a term paper due every single week for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. Uh, a That's term good. paper with a public presentation. Yeah. And it's that pressure and the pressure of the weight of responsibility, preaching the sight of God in Christ, the anticipation that there are unbelievers. There are unbelievers there. You want them to get the gospel. There are believers that you want to be comforted, or believers you believe need to be challenged, and you carry all of that weight, all of that anticipation. And and after after a while, like Rocky said, you've been hitting the head three hundred times a night. Kind of hurts after a while. Stings after you know, a while. Stings you know? after a while. That's you a, know, <laughs> yeah, it stings after a while. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important for us to highlight this. That a lot of times, pastors, you got to be careful what you ask for. Because a lot of times pastors say, what do you want? Oh, I want a biblically faithful church that loves the word. Right. I don't know how many times I've heard that. And if you get that, I mean, praise God. That's a, that's a yeah. wonderful thing to have that. But here's a side note you need to realize if you get that church, they expect you to bring it every week. Yeah. And it's kind of, that's what, you got to watch what you ask for. You really want a biblically faithful church. There is, I think we both said, I can say that because I went to a church that wasn't that but a, but God did that work, and people took the word really seriously. But there is a there is a pressure that comes with that. I was I didn't realize it because it was a slow th- thing for me. But I I realized this when I when I saw young guys preaching uh, for the first they've preached before they had preached five or ten times uh, at, at different churches. They're preaching on Sunday night to twenty people. Yeah, and they were. They said, "They, I've never been so nervous preaching in a church." And I remember being really puzzled by that. It's like, yeah, dude, there's 20 people here, and they love you. Like, what, right, what, right. what gives? And I finally realized it was they felt the pressure. I mean, self-induced, but they felt the pressure of now these these people really they want the word brought, and yeah. and that there is a pressure there that doesn't exist at the church that honestly just wants you to get up and give a talk for 20 minutes and doesn't really care as much, right? I mean, so. I, I will say we all we want that. That's still the kind of church we want, but that does contribute to the grind, doesn't it? You, you feel the pressure, not just wanting to honor the Lord, honor the Word, and and preach Christ faithfully, but right. you, you feel the the pressure to to deliver what the people are wanting. All that contributes to what is a a real grind, right? And that and again, the reality that to do that to do that well means every week doing preparation. It means you start from scratch, so you you you've you know it, it's like cooking for a banquet or something. You, so you you put in however many hours. My daughter did recently; she catered a wedding, and there was all this preparation leading wow. up to it. And in forty minutes, it's all eaten. Right. It, it's all gone. It, it's all gone. And then, well, somebody says, "Hey, I like that. Start Could you over. do that again next week?" Yeah. Well, you 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 can't just. You so, got to fill it up again. You got to start. You got to start cutting it up again. You got to start doing the work again. And, and and again, there is something to that. I just gave everything. I felt like I gave everything I had. I just said everything I know, 
and now I got to fill up again. I don't want to go back to the kitchen and cook it all over again. Right. So let's go to the grind for you, Jim. So uh, again, over three decades of of preaching every week, I can confirm that you start from scratch. You write your own sermons mm-hmm. every week. All mm-hmm. those things always have. And so, what what is your routine to you know to stagger this grind to where you're not overwhelming yourself in a in a given day? Can you just kind of walk us through what yeah, is a typical I, I week can, for you in regard to sermon prep? Yeah, so thanks, thanks. It's different now than it was. Okay. And, and so I want to be careful in this. So I, I have a statement I make sometimes when, if somebody's really appreciative of a sermon I've done, somebody might ask, man, how long did it take to do that? And I'll say sometimes 44 years. <laughs> and I mean that. It's 44 years of yep. preparation. Yeah. Because I've read books for 44 that makes years. A good point. I've, yeah. I've read my Bible for 44 years. I've prayed for 44 years. I have, you know, I've preached for 42 of those 44, 45 years that I've been a Christian. I started preaching when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And so there's an, there's an accumulation. There's an accumulation yep. of, of, you know, so early on, so early on in my ministry when I, didn't, I did not have the wealth of experience or I didn't know the Lord as well, I didn't know my Bible as well, uh, it took a lot longer to prepare worse sermons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that is so true. That's so well said. you That's you well will said. preach better sermons with less, less time technical preparation. It's really good, good. but the, but you have a wealth of experience that yeah. you carry with you over the long haul. I so, just want I just want to reiterate that what you just said. I totally believe. I experienced the same thing. That the longer you do this, the more time you have, the more to mature. That all of that you really do prepare less and have better sermons. Okay, so for me, uh, it's different now. So I'll give you the old me, and then I'll say a okay. little bit some of some of the newer me. Yeah. So old old Jim, younger Jim, younger Jim, uh, was I I would start. Well, I would sometimes start on Sunday night because I've mentioned that before. I'd just be wired, so I would start my exegetical work on Sunday night. Uh, then, whoa, whoa, uh, wait, really? Yeah, you I would. Your exegetical I, uh, I night. would sometimes, yeah, because it was like, I am ready to go. I'm ready to go. I just wanted to stop I you I used that. to just have, so I, I used to do, I would <laughs> preach the adult class, lead the service, preach in the morning, preach at night, <laughs> preach at the prison in the afternoon, and My I was ready goodness. to keep going. You know, so I, I, I'm not that guy anymore. I drilled and watched Sunday night football. Carry on, good. <laughs> All right. Um, so that meant so that meant uh, your original spade work, which back then, back in the old days, this was before computer programs and things like that. That meant sitting with my Greek or, or my Hebrew with a candle on, no electricity, candle either, on, right? Right. So, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> and I would uh, I would copy the text out on, on on a ledger, you know, ledger paper, and begin the work of this is this is what this is the root word. This is its technical breakdown, and begin to try to form uh, my connections. So you started and, and, with the exegetical, yeah. Work, so okay. I started with right. that exegetical yep. stuff, and, but that was so that would almost always be Tuesday. Okay. Uh, and then Wednesday I had prayer meetings, so a little bit, a little bit different. And so, you know, but but by Friday, I I had hoped that I would be in in really good shape and be almost uh, almost completed uh, in regard to writing the sermon mm-hmm. by Friday, the latest Saturday, and then Sunday morning, get up early, pray through, and I would chuck some stuff out and add mm-hmm. a few things. Okay. So, yeah. So that would be fairly common. Church was smaller. I had less counseling so i was really able to give a lot to to you know preaching yeah. uh so you know you're reading your commentary so again you do your exegetical work um you try to put it together you start and then last thing i would read commentaries occasionally i might actually listen to another guy preach 
from a passage if I could find it just to get, you know, sometimes I don't listen to the first few minutes, get, like get an idea of how, where they're going with it. Mm. So I, you know, some of, so some of those kinds of things. I write out my sermons, so my sermons are written out from start to finish. Um, it's a fairly full manuscript. I say a lot of stuff that's not in the manuscript, but I have a fairly full manuscript. Okay, so it's old, uh, old Jim. So that's old Jim. Okay. Uh, newer Jim. Tuesday now is very often uh, office day, uh, cleaning up, uh, writing, uh, writing emails, uh, having simpler meetings with people, maybe. Bible college students or something like that, something that's less taxing. Uh, By the way, my, does, that mean, does that mean Monday's your day off? Monday's my day okay, off. Okay, go ahead. Right. So, Tuesday. so uh, a terminal HIV, I do not have the elasticity I used to have. Yeah, so when this right. band gets stretched out, it takes a little bit longer to get it that's, back into yes, shape. Yes, good to know. So, uh, so then Wednesday, so I'm thinking about what I'm going to be preaching on. I mean, the whole the whole week. I mean, I mean, I I, I kind of have. A, I'm not one of these guys that plans out my preaching a year ahead of time, or even really a month or two ahead of time. I just don't do that. I don't know how far I'm going to get, so that when I come to Hebrews, I'm in Hebrews two. I've done four or five messages on the first four verses of Hebrews two over the last few weeks. I'm going to do a follow up. I think this coming Sunday. So here it is. It's Thursday. And I'm not ex- I, I'm not going to preach what I thought I was going to preach. I started one, preparing one sermon. I think I'm going to go in another direction. Mm. Uh, I'm preaching for the Lord's Supper, so I'm going to do something that's going to uh, I think tie into the urgency of salvation, not neglecting from Hebrews two, but from another passage. So anyway, so uh, so Wednesday often depends on am I doing prayer meeting? Do I have meetings? Or whatever. But I'm thinking through, thinking through. So again, I do I do that spade work. Go through, do read, read the text, read the text over and over again, get into the original language of it, uh, start looking at commentaries. But sometimes now it's Friday before I'm doing uh, Thursday or Friday before I'm doing the writing. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then Sunday morning. Sometimes I find I'm actually doing a little more sometimes on Sunday morning okay. than I than I've done in the past. Okay. So. Uh, again, uh, I have I have more meetings that I'm having now. I'm older now. I'm more tired now than I used to be. So there's some of that that comes in. But it's it, uh, thankfully, by God's grace, for 32 years of preaching virtually every week for 32 years, mm. I've I've had something to give every every Sunday. Let me ask this question: So, old Jim, how many hours to prepare one sermon, beginning to pulpit? Uh, depends on what it was, but I'm going to put in the 10 to 15 hours. All right. New gym, recent gym. What, what's, uh, what's that it, number? It's going to be 10 or under. Okay. Yeah. So that's helpful to gauge. I would, I would say the same thing. So, uh, my first five years at Auburndale, I had really, un, I had a really unhealthy grind for sermon prep. I did Monday and Tuesday for Sunday morning. Uh-huh. Um, and I wrote manuscripts. So, and then I did Wednesday, Thursday for Sunday night, and I for the first you know five years I preached morning and night uh, right. consistently, and I'm still learning to preach, learning to write. Right. I'm learning to write sermons. I'm, so it really was a learning curve for me, and so Monday, Tuesday was Sunday morning, and I would stay up from ten Tuesday night till about two Wednesday morning, writing the manuscript out, and then I did the same thing on Thursday night. So I could take Friday off every week. Okay, and that was a really dumb way to do it. Um, and that you know it was exhausting. I'm staying till two a.m. two right. different nights, right. trying to write out my. I mean, the key time you want to be the most fresh uh, to write your your to write yeah. your sermon out. So I just want to highlight that. And it took me you know it took me ten to fifteen hours 
to, and I probably would have taken longer if I had the time, but I'm writing two sermons and doing Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, by the time my last five years at Auburndale, I would, I would be able to write a sermon from beginning to end in eight to 10 hours. And I'm only writing one a week instead of two. So right. my grind, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, my grind changed drastically over those years. Now, of course, over those years, my grind changed because I took on other roles like with practical shepherding. And when my role at Southern Seminary came, it almost, so in a playing a really a bivocational ministry role in our church. So my grind changed in that way. But I think what I want to communicate, hearing both of us just articulate our grind in sermon prep, is every pastor is different. Every pastor needs to has different gifts and ways he thinks and works. And I just want to encourage everybody to to think about how you best work and how you get the most done out of is it, you know, is it in the mornings when you work? It, would you typically work in mornings, Jim, or would it be afternoons or did it matter? It didn't matter. It depended. I, Brian, I the way I would write, see when I got to be ready to, to write. So I've done the exegetical, I feel like I understand it. Once I break the outline, it just often just pours out yeah so what happens is that's the hard part yeah yeah. so once i get that i understand how i want to introduce it i kind of understand the burden of it i understand how i want to outline it for me so those are the hard things those are the like where am i going how much of this am i going to preach what am i going to emphasize you know what you know so a lot goes into that uh and then you work that out so um i tend to write in bursts so even like some of the stuff i'm helping to write some books I, I might I might go three weeks between writing anything and then yeah. have a day where I write 10, 15 pages. Yeah. Like a day. I can yeah. do that. Some guys write five pages a day, five, six, ten pages a day. And that's how I, they work, yeah. And that's how they work. And I, I just don't I, – I, I write and I could discipline myself. I I just have not been able to do that. I, I'm sure I, I could cultivate it if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the deadline's coming. So with with a sermon, unlike you know, you say for a book, you might be able to say unless you have a strict deadline. Yeah, you can say, well, you know, it's okay if it comes in a few weeks later, or whatever. Or I wanted it done by this. I'm not going to have it done Sunday. You can't do that. That's right. Sunday it's coming, and so there is that there is that pressure and that where. Uh, there's a pressure beforehand and again some of the pressure afterward that comes that makes this particularly daunting and and as I said Brian when I was mentioning that you know Tuesdays aren't the same for me anymore that my mind just isn't in the position to be able to do that in in the way that it once was is cumulative I think plus I'm older you know and and all of those all, all of those kinds of things come in and so a guy who maybe again we didn't we don't know all this all what's behind some of these questions, but somebody who's struggling with this and struggling with the pulpit, I mean there are questions I'd want to ask, and 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 I think one of the things we want to ask in this is, so how many times do you preach in a given year? Yeah, uh, Brian, how many times would you preach in a given year? Uh, yeah. So I mean, the first five years I preached, yeah, probably close to. Uh, I mean, close to 100. It depends on if you count Wednesday night, but if you don't count that, like sermon manuscripts I was writing for Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, I'd preach 95 times a year Okay, uh, between the two sermons. Yeah, so me too. Uh, 100, 120 times yep. a year I was doing. Yep. That's not counting Wednesday. That's right. So that's Sunday school morning and evening. Um, so I want to I want to shift I want to shift. Go ahead and finish the no, thought. No, I'm, I'm just saying that I think sometimes you have to understand too that that too it is the equivalent of writing. So 
I'm trying to remember what I've written. I have written something like 300,000 pages. You, you've got, you can go back and yeah, just well, think about the it's, word it's count. 10, page, to, yeah. 10 to 15 pages a message, yeah. and I've done 3,000 of them. Uh-huh. So you do the math. That's a lot. That, that's a lot. That's yep. a lot of volume. That's a that's lot of verbiage. Yeah. You know, so that's true. You, you, so you put that into it too. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I want to shift just last bit because we are talking about the grind. Even though a lot of the questions we had was around kind of the grind of sermon prep, knowing that is the most pressing thing in our right. in a pastor's life. Every six days you're preaching again, regardless of what's happened. But let's take the last couple of minutes just to think about. It. So how, we're not just preaching. And again, I want to say if when a when I have a guy say to me. You know, man, it takes me 30 hours to write a sermon. How do you get any other work done? And I'll usually, I mean, I want to ask questions like you had mentioned, but I'll usually say, you know, if you have to take, if it takes 30 hours for you to write a sermon, you maybe shouldn't be preaching every week because you can't do anything else if you're just preaching. If you're, that's a different conversation, but I, I, I just want to put that out there that I think part of being a pastor that's preaching every week, you have to figure out in the grind every six days how to write a sermon and still have time to do other pastoral work because there are other things besides preaching. So how did you manage all administrative office work, meetings, counseling, you know, visitation that, because that's really what contributes to the grind. Even though some of those things you can put off, like you mentioned in a way you can't put off preaching, there's still a pressure. It still contributes to the grind. It's why pastors feel like they never get everything done. They need to get done that day. Wow. I, I did. I probably didn't handle that well. I'll, I'll just say so. The way I, I, I rarely said no to anybody that needed to meet, wanted to meet, regardless of where I was on sermon. Prep. Okay. Okay. I almost never said to anybody, "Hey, I've got you know Friday from nine until one blocked out for sermon prep." I would just do it later. You know, if they needed me, I, I if I felt they needed me or they felt they needed yeah. me. I would do it. I, I might occasionally, and again, depends on the circumstance, depends on the person and what I know of them. You, you know, so some other things may come into play that you might say, I can't do it today, you know, because I really do need to get this done. Mm-hmm. And this is a priority. But for some of some guys are going to need to hear this, are going to need to know that if, if they are consistently being taken away from the study and that alters their ability to be able to preach well, I mean, you got to be mindful we, we, of that. Yeah. I don't want to make I don't want to put preaching on a pedestal where it doesn't belong, but it does belong on a pedestal. And, and I'm not saying it's a 40 foot pedestal, but it is a pedestal. It's really and important. It's a pretty high. It's pretty one, important. Yeah. And it's really important. And what you get to do for the many versus what sometimes you're may not be able to do just for the one. Mm. But again, there's a lot that goes into this. I'm, yeah. I'm not speaking and understand you leave the 99 go after the one. But sometimes you need to preach to the hundred, and, yeah. and and your ability to do that well, which involves doing your homework, which involves going through it enough that it's it's tight, it's cohesive, it makes sense, that it's interesting in the in the right sense of the word, those kinds of things, and you want to do that week after week after week, mm. uh, you know. So you you have to just schedule yourself. You have to you have to understand its priority. Yeah. Again, if that's all you're doing, then I think you also need to consider what your priorities are. Here's here's what I want to say in regard to thinking about how to approach the grind is I think you have to know yourself well. You got to know how you function and you got to know what you're drawn to. So I describe it often like this. You need to know, you know, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, for example, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think this is really helpful to know when you're thinking about the weekly grind. So I'm bringing this up. If you're an introvert, you're going to be more drawn to the study, usually wanting to be by yourself and right. studying, praying, whatever that may right. be, but when you're by yourself. And if you're an extrovert, you're going to be drawn towards being with your people, not sitting alone in a study, right. uh, working on your sermon. So, And I find this consistently true with just about anybody I talk, I talk to. It certainly was true for me. And that is, that, I mean, I'm an extrovert, so I'm drawn to, the, to be with people. So I'm with you. I would, I would set sermon time aside, but I would fudge on it because I wanted to be with the people. Right. And right. I, I wanted to do that, and, and I had to make myself go and study and sit and write. So I would say when we're talking about the grind, we're talking about how to, how to get through it, how to manage it. And by the way, one of the things somebody sent in to us is how do you deal with the grind in the midst of feeling burnt out and wore out and all those kinds of things? And so uh, we'll want to save that to last, but I, I want to encourage you to know yourself because you have to push yourself in the way that you're not naturally drawn. So know yourself and know what that is. So that, like, I knew myself was drawn to want to just be with the people. Well, mm. I could convince myself, you know, I'm just a, I'm just love my people a lot. That's why I want to be with them. Or I just need to know myself. Go, no, that's where I'm drawn. I need to make myself sit and study and prepare for the, for this sermon. I do want to say this though, Brian, because uh, I, I was thinking the other day if I, if I wanted to write a little article or something like how to become a better preacher, one of the things I would uh, on my list I've got like five things I would put on there, but one of them is spending time with your people mm-hmm. and, and understanding them and understanding their needs. It's part of the part of the preparation, and, and, right? and it is because you, you are not just you're not preaching in a vacuum, and you're not preaching to people generally. Mm-hmm. You're preaching to the flock that's among you. Yeah, and and you need to know them, and you need to know like you know maybe you thought they were all on a certain level theologically and you realize that a lot of what i'm saying is going over their heads mm-hmm. and they and you wouldn't know that if they didn't open up to you if they didn't say something to you and you know so you alter your preaching and you become a better preacher become a better preacher if you love them. the more you love them the better the more they love you the better preacher you're going to be it's good and the more you strive to feed not just sheep but your sheep the better you're going to do. So that those things can work together symbiotically. That's good. Last word for us both to the pastor who's feeling burnt out, exhausted, wore out. He's feeling it as he's trying to plug away in the grind of, mm. of the ministry. Uh, final word for that pastor who's trying to sort through what the grind looks like for him now. Yeah, I've got several things in mind, if I can quickly. Yep, go ahead. I think one is you, you need to... You might need to rethink how you're doing sermons because it may be you're not doing them effectively. Mm. And that there are there are books you can read. H.P. Uh, uh, Charles has a good little book on preaching. There are other 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 books out there that can help with uh, how to maximize your time and your prep. It might be again you have pressures on you that I need to read 45 commentaries in order to do effective. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. If you read four commentaries, five commentaries, and they're all and they're all saying the same thing, and you got a grasp on the text, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So you need you might need to rethink: Am I doing this in a way that's just killing me? You know, I am. I you, know, I, you don't need to have seven layers of paint on a wall. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Primer, two coats, you're good, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So if you're a perfectionist, and maybe you're a perfectionist, and that's what's wearing yep. you out, that happens a lot of guys. Um, right? It could be a fear of man that you're you're you are fighting with performing, and and it just is unsustainable. It could be that you've gone too long without a break. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. it might be that that it's it's a physical exhaustion, and you again you need to know yourself. For some guys, three or four days off. And a Sunday off is going to do it. For some guys, you might need two weeks or whatever. 
um, you might need to get some help. And, and that is don't feel guilty. I know it, you can feel tremendously guilty when you get paid to preach and somebody else preaches mm-hmm. you know, and you're there. Yeah. You know, I, I still struggle with this. I, I, I sit twice a year, maybe. So I, I am preaching somewhere or other 50 out of 52 Sundays a year, generally. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get, I am well compensated at this point in my life for what I do. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like some of why I do less now than what I used to, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, at, at, at any rate, I have a fellow elder, full-time elder and, and all of those things. But I'm getting, I listen to preaching almost every week. I preach every week, and I also listen to preaching mm-hmm. every week. So almost every Sunday, one of the other elders is preaching. So you might need to have that spiritual refreshment come to you. One final thing, you might need to change what you're preaching. If you're preaching through, you bit off more than you could chew. You thought, I'm going to preach through Leviticus, and it is kicking your butt. Don't feel badly to say, to pivot and do I wasn't else. ready for this. Yeah. I wasn't mature enough for this. Yeah. This is perplexing me every week. Go yeah. to something that you, you know well. That's good. My final word on this is to be aware of the rhythm of preaching in the way you need a break. So, you know, I started to realize that about every... I'm not. I'm not Jim. I did not. I do not preach fifty two weeks of the year. Fifty. Fifty weeks of the on, year. Brian. Sorry, I'm man. Not, you get that, two I'm weeks not. off, man. So I would. I would recognize about every five to six weeks there would be a fatigue that would start to set in, to where if I just got one week out of the pulpit, somebody else preached. Even if I worked all week, used my sermon prep for other things in the, in the grind, just getting the relief from the the pressure of preach preparing to preach every week actually felt restful in a strange way. So um, I would so I would just encourage you to know the rhythm that you if you start to feel fatigued, you know, let somebody else preach that week and see if that helps. And that always right. would help me. So just know your rhythm. That's a really important part of the grind. What do you maybe need to take out of it every six weeks for a week and then put it back in that can help you uh, continue in that grind. So Jim, I'm going to ask you to pray for pastors and having wisdom and figuring this out for themselves. Yeah. Our Father, we we recognize that what we have been speaking about is, in, in so many ways, it's, it's a glorious burden, and uh, but it is a burden. And Lord, we do pray that you would uh, aid us in thinking through how to flourish in this, uh, Father. Under the end, that that we would not uh, burn out, and under the end, that our people would be greatly helped by the ministry of the word that that you have entrusted us to bring. We pray this in your Son's name, Amen. Amen.